0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everyone. Matt Williamson here. Hopefully you guys listened yesterday to the first ever Locked On NFL podcast. I'll be your host, Matt Williamson, as I said, at Williamson NFL. Uh, Hopefully you liked the first one and came back for the second. Maybe this is the first time you've heard. Either way, um, please spread the word, and I think it's going pretty well. I'm pretty excited to be back and be doing this. Um, again, we're not going to have a guest, and that, that, those will come soon. I'm not sure exactly how we'll do that, but that, that's going to happen soon, and there's going to be plenty of guests from all over the web and all through the locked-in network, and uh, there will be plenty of guests to pick from. But since we talked last, there, there's a couple things to discuss. And, man, the, in our front four, I'm going to start with, kind of go off the grid a little bit here, and there was two GMs that got extended since we talked last. You know, Rick Smith from Houston, And Reggie McKenzie from the the Raiders. But I want to really harp on McKenzie. I I really think, let's think about what he inherited. You know, let's, let's even go further back. I mean, he comes from a Packers organization that more than any team in the league shuns free agency, builds through the draft, keeps their own does things, quote, the right way. And maybe they're even to an extreme that they should, you know, maybe sign a free agent here and there. Julius Peppers, Jared Cook, but there's not many others than that. But anyways, that's how McKenzie was brought up. You know, that, that's when he was hired by the Raiders. That was his background. So, if you remember, it wasn't that long ago. This before Derek Carr and Khalil Mack and all the, the guys that McKenzie has so adaptly drafted. But they had... So much cap room, and they had to spend it. That's NFL rules. And back then, people didn't want to play for the Raiders. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a wasteland. It was arguably the worst organization in the league. So he went out and didn't just foolishly throw massive amounts of money at guys. He signed a lot of people to one- and two-year deals, uh, basically rented them. While he used his philosophy to draft the cars and Max and those type of guys, and since then he still had an awful lot of cap space because cars and Max and you know th- these type of players Cooper are not real expensive, you know, which is a wonderful situation to have, obviously. So he has supplemented his roster now that it's pretty strong, and now it's it's an attractive place to go to with the Coletti Assemblies and the Bruce Irvins and Reggie Nelson. I think these guys are loaded and I have some Twitter questions lined up and we're going to talk about this roster a little further when we get to that. But I think he's done an absolutely outstanding job. I think Smith has done well in Houston as well. He's going to be tied to the Osweiler situation, obviously quite a bit, but we'll see how that pans out. I have my doubts on that, to be honest, but that's a different topic for a different day. Um, But actually, let's talk about that real quick. This the Osweiler situation. I am not an Osweiler believer. I don't think he's... People want to compare him to Flacco because he's big, and I I guess that's the only reason. He he does not have a strong arm as Flacco. He he doesn't play as big in the pocket as Flacco. Uh, I don't think they're even comparable, to be honest with you. He is a good athlete for his size. Um, He has a lot of not quirks, I mean, just things to work out in his game that I I have a lot of doubts about, and we haven't seen very much of them to to even give him that kind of massive money. However, while I'm not an Osweiler believer, I am very much a Bill O'Brien believer, especially with quarterbacks, especially with offense. And like we talked about in Miami yesterday, they went well out of their way to make their quarterback's life a lot easier this offseason. Clearly, that was a priority. And O'Brien has gotten a lot from the quarterback position from lesser players than even Osweiler. I mean, think of the guys he's played with the last couple years, took that team to the playoffs. They've consistently been in the 8-8 eight and eight neighborhood since he's been there with maybe the worst quarterback situations in all of football. So uh, my hunch is Osweiler will work out, but I'm sure he'll be overpaid. I mean, I'm sure of that, and I can't say it was a great move. I don't think Denver was weeping that he left. Um, And so that's where they're at right now. Um, But both these GMs have done a very, very good job. McKenzie's the one, though, that really needs the pat on the back. Um, And we we mentioned the Denver situation. Some news came out yesterday that their first-round pick, quarterback Lynch, uh, Kubiak, said he's really, really stepping up. Well, I'm not one to overreact at all to anything I read this time of year that's not injury-related or coach speak or players or he's the best shape of his life or he's really getting it. But I will say this is highly, highly encouraging to me because of the top quarterbacks, I thought he was clearly the one that was furthest away from seeing the field as he's left college. I thought he had a lot of work to do. There's a lot of tools there. He's a lot more talented than Brock Osweiler, for example, even though when they walk in the room, they have similar stature. I think Lynch has a much, much higher ceiling than Osweiler, especially in this offense. You know, he's going to move around a lot. He's going to roll out. He's going to have half field reads. Typical Kubiak stuff, a lot of play action. I think he fits that very, very well. For those of you who don't know, I'm not a Mark Sanchez fan at all. He scares me in this offense because, you know, again, Denver, like last year, They're going to win 13-10. They're going to win 14-10, 14-13. They're not going to blow anybody out. Their defense is going to keep everything close. And I just see Sanchez losing games for them. Although, could it have been any worse than Manning last year? Probably not in terms of turnovers and putting the, the defense in a bind. But obviously, it's a great defense. I just think Sanchez is a career backup. Um, so this Lynch news to me is worth talking about. And I'm not saying he's going to be the week one starter or should be or anything along those lines, but if he's a little bit further along than any of us expected, I see him taking over sooner than most expect. And maybe that's the right move. And I think Kubiak's another guy that really understands the quarterback position well, isn't going to put him in a, a situation to fail. Um, That line looks improved. I'm sure the running game is going to be quite good. I don't love the depth at at the receiver positions. But, you know, you could do a lot worse than Manny Sanders and Demarius Thomas. Uh, I was talking on uh, Twitter yesterday with my buddy Cecil Lammy, who's a Denver guy. And we were talking about, you know, one of these tight ends is going to step up. And I think it's going to be Virgil Green. I, I think Virgil Green has a chance to be... Uh, a massive, quote, fantasy sleeper. But I think he's got a chance in a very, very tight end friendly offense to become a very a household name here in this upcoming year. The talent is certainly there. So, you know, that's the news out of Denver right now. Who knows? Let's not overreact to one sentence by a, a, a head coach saying the first round pick looks good. But that's what you want to hear. I mean, I think he has a bright future. Also from that division, more news is, and this one's not so great, and that's, out of San Diego, Stevie Johnson has torn his meniscus and it's uncertain if he will miss a season or not, but this is a quality player and I've written several times for those of you who have followed me about how I've been super impressed with the Chargers offseason. I think a lot of their additions, a lot of their young guys, guys like Atauchu and Bosa are really primed to step up and I think this might be one of the absolutely most improved teams in the league. Now, you know, they went out and they, they got a speedy receiver and maybe Johnson's snaps were going to be reduced, but he was a really good fit in what they're doing now there. You know, their their offensive line has been a problem area. They've had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. So wisely, you know, they've changed the offense and they're using River's mind and his accuracy more than his brawn at this stage. And you see that a lot with these, these older quarterbacks, Brady, Manning, all these guys start to you know, control the game at the line of scrimmage, and Rivers is in that category. So what they've done is a lot more quick-hitting passing. Uh, they're not—they don't need speed guys, although they did sign one away from the Browns. And Rivers is a very good deep passer. That's an element that they haven't really had uh, with, with Malcolm Floyd not being the, the the guy he was before. But Johnson was just a a receiver in an offense that was going to see a, a lot of snaps no what matter what whether he's the second guy or the third guy we know how many three receiver sets you're going to see nowadays uh, Gates is still in the mix Darius Green is out second round pick Hunter Henry I would imagine also is going to play quite a bit and maybe more now because of this but this is a, a, a you know slight setback obviously for for San Diego here I mean you don't like seeing this for a quality player and then the last one from our front four today that I want to talk about is another injury and in, uh, I was try. I was going to. I was going to save this one because I don't want to talk Steelers all the time. And I'm going to be up in Latrobe at-, at camp, as I mentioned yesterday, for pretty much all day Thursday and Friday. I'll be doing some broadcasts up there, um, about an hour and a half from my home in the South Hills here in Pittsburgh. But it just came out right before I recorded that the Steelers second round pick from a year ago who didn't play a snap last year, cornerback Senquez Senquez Golson is going to be out about 12 weeks with a Liz Frank injury. And everyone knows the Steelers' secondary, their corners in particular, are a weak area. Um, This guy, he can't stay on the field. And does that mean he's injury prone? We know that he's a very small player. I mean, he's one of these undersized corners but if he would have came out, if he would have been, you say this stuff all the time, I mean, if, but if he would have been a six-foot corner, when he came out of the draft a year ago, I guarantee he'd be a top-ten pick. But as you say with, you know, I always say this with corners too, is he, he's never going to change that. He plays bigger than a 5'8 guy or whatever. He can get off the ground well. He's certainly feisty. You know, is his body not, re- not able to play football at this level? Is he too small? Is he too... Injury prone. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, this is a Liz Frank injury. Apparently, you know, it was a non-contact situation where he he stepped wrong and knew something immediately was happening, got carted off. But you feel for him, and you feel for the Steelers, because he was set up to be their nickel corner and and play an awful lot of snaps. And uh, of all these guys, you know, in Pittsburgh that I was most anxious to see when I went up there, he was the top of the list, because... I loved his tape coming out of school. Again, he's an undersized corner. But he is a heck of a football player, and that's somebody they could really use. So maybe he is a force, you know, that last month of the season, playoffs, who knows. But obviously he hasn't had any of these practice reps, and you know, how do you trust him? How do you throw him out on the field when he does return? He's going to miss a substantial portion of, again, another year. Really unfortunate, you know, this game is difficult, and while we're on the subject here of corners, I just want to tell you something we did in the in the Browns War Room. And I thought this was a really cool way of doing things. And when you're looking at the, the big board, you have horizontal columns. You know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, all the way across. And they're in capital letters. You know, QB, RB, wide receiver, WR, TE, etc. And you get to the, to the all the way to the right. And there's capital C B and, and and then on the other, right next to that we had lowercase C B. And that was all the 5, 10, and below corners. So we almost called them their own position. And, and clearly those guys were not you know high as high on the board. You know, they, we were sort of against taking those players, but there's always a portion when you, you take them. But we we almost called that a different position than the other corners, you know, the, the regular size corners. And Golson's the perfect example of that. Like I said, I mean, if he would have been 5'11", foot in that neighborhood, he's an all-day first-round pick and probably a very high first-round pick. But he isn't. And tomorrow when he wakes up, he's going to be 5'8". Two two years from now when he wakes up, he's going to be 5'8". And A.J. Green's going to be 6'4". You know? So he's always going to be at a disadvantage. And no matter how much you coach him up, that's not going to change. So that's a, that's a drawback, obviously, with these, these small corners. But as much, you know, as much snaps as defensive backs play and how many defensive backs are on the field nowadays, you've you got to take them. And I thought he could be a big shot in the arm to that Steelers secondary. Uh, obviously, that's going to have to wait quite a bit. So there's some other news, of course, around the league that I'm going to bump. You know, we're, we, we can probably talk about that tomorrow. We're going to keep these podcasts pretty brief and, and compared to my history of a lot of hour-long podcasts and whatnot. And, and actually, I'll be recording one this evening with Bill Williamson, our No relation podcast. That'll be every bit of an hour, and we'll talk about a lot of these things, too. I, I urge you to check that out. Bill and I will go back and forth and just go around the league and all these different things that have happened. But one thing I threw out on Twitter yesterday... And I encourage you to be very active with me on Twitter about this podcast. Like I said, this is a different format for me. It's mostly just me and you talking, you know, while you're cruising down the street or on a treadmill or lifting weights or cutting the lawn, you know, mowing the lawn or whatever it is you're doing. we're just chatting football, you and I, as opposed to me and a couple, you know, me and another co-host going over and over and going back and forth. So... I urge you on Twitter to give me suggestions how to improve the show. And I also mentioned on Twitter yesterday at Williamson NFL that you know I want to take a couple questions too. And one thing I think I'm going to do later this week that was a suggestion that people liked from my previous stops was they want power ranks. So tomorrow I might do my pre preseason power rank, and then maybe do another one. Two weeks from two weeks from now or so, and then I probably once a week will do a power ranks during the season or maybe every other week, something along those lines. But it'll be a regular thing. Um, Jeff Tucker, uh, JP Tucker one oh one seven asked me to rank the rosters in the AFC West. This is hard. <laughs> you know, I, this is a very good division. So what I did was I did I ranked them offensively. And then I ranked them defensively. So when we go best to worst AFC West offensive rosters, I went with the Raiders first and felt very confident about it, really. I mean, you look for holes on their offense. I don't love the running back situation. I'm not a Murray fan. They could use, you know, a little more depth at wide receiver. But they're young with potential star power everywhere. I think the league's second-best offensive line behind Dallas. I'm very confident that they're one. Two, I went with the Chargers. And we, we had some talk about the, the Chargers earlier in the show about Stevie Johnson. Uh, they have now Benjamin and Allen, I think, are nice compliments for each other. The receiver depth is a little scary. I, I think the young-old tight end combination is is decent. I really like how proactive they were to get deeper, better, more... Talented on their offensive line. They've been riddled with offensive line injuries. I'm not a Melvin Gordon fan. I wasn't a Melvin Gordon fan before. But he almost has to be better in year two. Danny Woodhead remains a very valuable piece of this offense. And I think Phillip Rivers is a stud. I mean, that's really why they're second is. uh, I think Rivers is easily the best quarterback in this division. And I'm going to put added weight on quarterback position whenever we're ranking the offense and defensive sides. You know, the rosters. So San Diego comfortably is second. Uh, the chart, or I'm sorry, the Chiefs are third. I'm not an Alex Smith fan. You guys know that. Anyone that listens to me, uh, he is way too conservative for my taste. But he's better than what the the, the the Broncos are playing with right now. And that was a tiebreaker because quarterbacks are important. And Smith wins games. I mean, yeah, I mean I'm not a believer in quarterback win loss. Uh, is really a, a true stat, but. Uh, him and Andy, Andy Reid have a, a very good relationship. Reid's maximizing what Smith can do. They have a very good running game. I think their weapons are adequate. You know, Macklin, Kelsey, uh, like some of the younger receivers. Their guard position really scares me, though. I mean, I think it's one of the weakest position groups in the NFL right now, are the Kansas City guards. That's something to keep an eye out. And there isn't even a, a young guy that I'm excited about. Of, boy, if he plays great, he'll solve all the problems. If he steps up, uh, it wouldn't shock me if the Chiefs' first-round pick a year from now is a guard. But it's, it's still a quality offense to get Jamal Charles back. We talked about Denver's offense quite a bit. And they're last here because you know, they didn't put up any points last year, for one thing. And you know their quarterback situation is worrisome. But obviously, when we go to defense, Denver's won. And Denver is still the best, off, best defense in the league. They were historically good last year. I do think the loss of Malik Jackson is big. Uh, they, they drafted a defensive lineman, uh, Gotis, Gotis. I'm not exactly sure how you say his name, but he, he fits the profile of a Derek Wolf type guy. I would think he'll see a lot of snaps early, but there's going to be a drop off. I mean, that's without question. Uh, they also lost Trevathan to the, the Bears, which he's a good player, but whenever they go to their sub packages, which is dime for them, they play a lot of defensive backs on the field. Uh, he came off the field, so you know, they value Marshall more. One thing to keep an eye out with this defense, though, is, is Aqib Talib going to get suspended. I mean, he, he got himself in some trouble in the offseason. I haven't heard anything about that since. But still, I mean, if we were ranking rosters in the NFL, Denver would be one on defense and clearly are in this division. The Raiders are two. I mean, again, they are deep with their pass rushers. They're deep up, up front. The Alden Smith suspension is a bummer. I mean, I'm really rooting for the guy. But all of a sudden, their secondary, which was very weak last year, is quite good, especially if Carl Joseph can come in and make an impact. You know, he's gonna. they're going to do a lot more. Seattle's type of things with Oakland's defense, from what I understand. And they have the, the long physical corners to pull it off. Reggie Nelson's your Earl Thomas. Carl Joseph is your chancellor. You know, they bring in Irvin, who obviously is going to be the Irvin. Um, the only area that I don't love here for the Raiders are their true second-level guys. I think Irvin will kind of be a, a jack-of-all-trades type. People, you know, misrepresent him as a pure pass rusher. He's more of a pure linebacker than he is pure edge rusher. But they'll use him at all the above. But their true inside linebacker types are pedestrian. And again, uh, a team that is built so well and probably will have a lot of cap room again next offseason. It wouldn't shock me if they sort of complete the puzzle with an early draft pick at running back and an early draft pick as a top linebacker. And when you're building a team, this goes back to Reggie McKenzie, you build a team, those are the easiest pieces to pick, you know, and it's not supposed to be a loaded running back draft last year. I mean, imagine this team with Leonard Fournette and the top uh, free agent, second level player on the, on the market next year, you know, uh, they're loaded and they're set up so well for the, for the, the future. Kansas city also has a great defense and, and they are third on my list. Justin Houston's injury didn't affect it to me. He's still on the roster. But they did lose a couple guys in free agency. Um, If if we were to rank the defensive rosters around the league, they would clearly be top 10, maybe even top 5. Three exceptional defenses in in this division. Uh, I like what they've done a lot. I think Chris Jones is going to be a nice pickup, too, for depth up front. I'm a big fan of rotating in defensive linemen, staying fresh there with the big guys. And I think the Chargers defense is going to be a lot better, which isn't saying much. It was very bad last year. I think Bosa has a great chance to be defensive rookie of the year. Um, Run defense with guys like Meebane and Bosa has to be better. I think they've got a lot of young players who are ready to step up. Jason Verrett's one of the absolute best corners in the league that doesn't get that kind of credit. Don't love the safety situation with Weddle gone. You know, again, it wouldn't shock me if that was their first-round pick next year. That, that's the one big hole I, uh, I see on this defense. Their linebackers are good. I think Perryman's going to be a star. I think he'll be the leader of this team, this leader of this defense. So again, San Diego is a massive contender to me to be most improved team in the league. Uh, another one here. We got a couple more questions. Um, at Cal Watts is Cal underscore Watts. Thoughts on Kelvin Benjamin? I think Kelvin Benjamin's overrated. Uh, I think he's a very unrefined route runner. A lot of drops. The offense didn't seem to miss him. Um, Clearly, you'd rather have him. But it wouldn't shock me if we have a conversation a year from now and Funchess is the better player than Benjamin. I I think he moves a little bit better. I think people, you know, you remember Benjamin in his rookie year because you had him on your fantasy team and he scored a lot of touchdowns and, you know, did a lot of good things from a stat perspective. But his tapes are not as good as his stat perspective. What I like about this situation, though, and it goes back to team building, which is one of my favorite things, is trying to look through the GM and the team builder's eyes, is obviously what they're doing at the wide receiver position, this is a run for – everything's built around Cam. And we'll get into this even more, but everything is built around Cam with a very, very diverse and powerful running game. One of the, maybe the best running game in the league. But to complement that running game, they got big, almost tight end size receivers that are good downfield blockers that are gonna spring Cam, Stewart, whoever. It also kind of shocks me that they didn't bring in a better backup for Stewart. That that could really bite them down the line, especially considering his his injury history. But um, and also they got king size receivers cause Cam Newton is not Drew Brees in terms of accuracy. You know, he needs guys with a bigger catching radius. So wisely, the, the Panthers go out and get these massive receivers. And it really is a smart move. I just don't think Benjamin's as good a player as his reputation makes us believe, though. Or as fantasy people want to look at it. And we know how popular fantasy is right now. Um, tr 8 at tr 8 asked me, Will Carlos Hyde succeed in Chip Kelly's offense? Yes, but that doesn't mean they're going to put up tons of points. You know, he's going to be the focal point of every defense. I think he's an exceptional player that doesn't get the credit he deserves. He has a history in a very similar system going back to Ohio State and thrived in it. I think he's a much better receiver than his numbers or that we've seen from him yet or his reputation entails. I think he fits the system very, very well. The offensive line was something we talked about a little bit yesterday with Anthony Davis back, but it almost has to be better than it was a year ago. They use a first-round pick on a guard. Kelly finally realized after just utterly ignoring the guard position in Philadelphia, and they put a lot of stress on their guards in the run game, more so than most schemes do that he decided, hey, I, I can't ignore the guard position anymore. Let's trade back in the first round, get a, a really talented rookie there uh, in Garnett. So, yes, I think Carlos Hyde is a massive success there. Does that mean he's going to run for 1,600 yards? And, you know, I mean, I always get back to fantasy, but a lot of these questions are double-edged swords with fantasy in real life, and he's going to win your, your fantasy league. I don't know about that, but he's going to be the best player on that offense. He's going to be the focal point of that offense, and rightfully so. I mean, I really think that Hyde is a high-quality player. Uh, The last question I want to take from Twitter is from Michael Higgins Sr. BHS, something along those lines is his his Twitter handle. How do you compare Kevin White to the 2016 rookie receiver class? He'd be first. Uh, He would absolutely be first. Um, I think he is an immense talent. I don't know that he'll burst on the scene his rookie year. I mean, he came out, or his second year, which is basically his rookie year. He, He came out of West Virginia with a lot of rawness to his game, needed to refine a lot of things. But man, when you draw up a receiver, he's what you want. I mean, he's much closer to Julio Jones than any of these other guys that came out in the draft. And I love Treadwell. I mean, I am a very big Treadwell fan. I very much see the Michael Irvin comparisons with Treadwell. I think he'll be a star. I think he's a great fit with the Vikings. He's also a great blocker in a run-first team. I mean, that's another great feature for him. I don't think he plays as slow as his time was, or the people seem to think. I thought he played injured a lot last year. I think Treadwell's going to be a star, but I'd still take Kevin White. I mean, Kevin White's ceiling is almost Julio Jones-like, which means you know it's, it's through the roof. And I, I'm interested to see how he, how he translates it this year. But I think in 2017, he'll be a true number one receiver with or without Alshon Jeffrey. Um, I think he's a great prospect, not just a so-so prospect, but a great prospect. Let's not take anything away from, from Coleman, who I think is going to be a very good player in this league. I really like Shepard as well. Will Fuller reminds me too much of Teddy Ginn. I think he's too much of a one-trick pony. I think he's a lot closer to Ted Ginn than he is to Deshaun Jackson, for example, who's supposedly having a great camp as we speak um, and, and is a key, key component to that Redskins team. I mean, that offense is much, much different, and Cousins was much, much different with Deshaun Jackson in the lineup. Another underrated player for what he does. He scares the hell out of defensive coordinators. He's the type of guy that makes you stay up late at night. Um, The kind of transitions, because we've been reading good things about Deshaun Jackson in camp, that he's uncoverable. Meanwhile, Josh Josh Doxon's, uh, you know, slowly mending on an injury. So, uh, you look at Washington, and those those should, look, search my timeline. I I wrote an article for The Score two weeks or so ago, uh, not bashing Kirk Cousins, but basically saying he's not the answer and that I don't believe in him. And I think that their GM's doing a great job. And handling that situation and whatnot, but they're building around cousins like the Bengals built around Dalton. You know, both with Gruden in charge there, makes a lot of sense. Um, but I look at the Redskins' offense, and I think Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Reed are the guys. They're the straws to stir the drink. You know, which is one of my favorite sayings. By the way, going back to Reggie Jackson, um, much um, much improved power offensive line that used to be a Shanahan light. Um, movement-based offensive line. They're bringing in mashers like Morgan Moses and Shreff. Um, that's exactly what they want to do. But boy, the running back and quarterback position for the Redskins really scares me. And there's nobody waiting in the wings. So if things go wrong for Washington, I think that's where they go wrong. Guys, this one very right. You know, this is our, our second episode. Uh, I did a different format to record. I hope it all worked out well. I'll get it up nice and quick. I recorded it right around 12.30, 1 o'clock here Eastern. Hope it's getting in your hands soon. Thanks so much. Tune in tomorrow, man.